You are listening to KNNALP 95.7 FM, Lincoln, Nebraska. There seems to be a perception among Christians that Lutherans are somehow against holy living or against good works. And yet in the Catechism, we confess that we ask God's name to be holy among us and that this takes place when the Word of God is taught in its truth and purity and we as children of God lead holy lives according to God's Word. God says, be holy, be perfect, as I, the Lord your God, am holy and perfect. But does he really mean it? Stay tuned for Equipping the Saints with Pastors Clint Poppy and Adam Moline. Welcome once again to Equipping the Saints. Pastor Clint Poppy, Pastor Adam Moline, Vicar Noah Kirstein. We serve the Saints at Good Shepherd Lutheran Church in Lincoln, Nebraska. Thanks for tuning in. For the last 10 episodes, we have been broaching the topic of dying well. We wanted to lay a good foundation, and so we've spent uh, these last 10 episodes digging deep into God's Word. What does God say about death? Uh, Why do people die? What is the answer to death? And of course, that answer is Jesus Christ, who says, I am the resurrection of the life. Whoever believes in me will never die. And uh, that is our great comfort and our great hope, our great promise, And uh, to die well means to die with faith in Christ Jesus. We uh, hinted in our last episode that we were going to start moving in a little bit different direction now with this uh, dying well topic. And we want to talk about the practical applications of uh, many of the things that we've talked about over the last uh, several weeks. The um, uh, death is a reality. Death is something that all of us will face unless Jesus comes again in power and might and glory before we die. And so to die well is to die in Christ. But there are some practical applications with regard to our own death. And what I'm talking about here is the um, time of death. No one knows the date or the time, but uh, it could come suddenly It could come after a prolonged illness, and we want to have as much as possible. We want to have our uh, ducks in a row, can I say it that way, with regard to our final plans. We want to have our ducks in a row with regard to the funeral service, which is really, in a way, the uh, last best confession of faith that we make as a Christian. And so these are some of the topics that uh, we want to talk about over the next several episodes. And Pastor, um, we're, we're just kind of beginning this uh, particular topic right now. Um, what, what about people who might say, well, I'm, I'm too young to be thinking about funeral plans. I'm too young to be thinking about end-of-life issues. Um, how, how might you respond to someone you know, your age or younger? Yeah, um, I'd say 
that doesn't really have any bearing on uh, whether you are going to die or not. Yes, we all hope uh, and pray that we live to be old, but the the truth is is that young people are dying uh, today just like old people are dying, and it's been that way always. Um, when I was in college, um, there was a, um, a young man who was I think a year younger than me, and uh, right after I graduated from college, he was in the gym at the university playing basketball and had a heart attack, uh, 22 years old, died right there uh, on the basketball court, and um, that sort of thing can happen. Um, there's car accidents, there's um, illnesses, there's all sorts of things, and so um, rather than to play um uh, to play fast and loose and to gamble with it, uh, the Christian should be ready uh, to die at any moment um, and be prepared uh, for that in Christ. It uh, it has been my experience that uh, many, many, many Christians will verbalize the fact, yeah, I know I'm going to die one day. Yeah, I know I'm mortal. And yet deep, deep, deep down, they're really hoping that God is going to make that one great exception when it comes to them. That, um, you know, I don't need to think about this. This is too morbid of a topic or too fatalistic of a topic. You know, Vicar, you're, you're uh, even younger than uh, Pastor Moline and uh, would, would probably uh, be almost almost the age of one of my grandsons. So, um, you know, what do people your age uh, think about when it comes to death? Do they think about it at all? Uh, maybe, maybe you don't have a, a wide range of experience on this topic, but uh, what, are, what are your insights here? For the most part, you really don't think about death at all. It's just not something that you want to burden yourself with. You're young, you're energetic, you have your whole life ahead of you. It's not even a blip on the radar. And uh, what are you, about 25? Uh, 27. 27. Oh, 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 oh. yes. Yeah, so <laughs> uh, and, uh, well, what about people who are 27-ish? Uh, do you think about death with regard to parents and grandparents and things like that? Certainly by this point, maybe a few grandparents have died. If your grandparents are exceptionally old, perhaps. I mean, there's, there's variance there. But you are in this chapter of life where you begin to see your parents' age. And maybe in that way, you're being confronted with this topic of death seriously, maybe for the first time. Yeah, I think l little kids, the first time the uh, goldfish jumps out of the bowl or uh, the... Uh, dog or cat gets run over by the mailman uh you know all of a sudden you realize that death exists and it's a little bit of a shock and one thing that i've noticed um over the years is how some parents catechize their children with regard to death and maybe that's the topic for a uh, a whole episode in and of itself but uh i have seen um parents that would refuse uh, to let their kids go to a funeral because uh, they don't want their kids to be confronted with death. Pastor? Yeah, I've seen that as well. And uh, <clears throat> I think 
that kind of is, in a sense, denying our oneness as the body of Christ. You know, I think it's good for us to have people of all ages and to always be there and interacting with them and to make friends with, uh, you know, church grandparents and when they pass to go to their funerals and see that and watch the confession of faith because uh, in that sense, it does prepare us for our own demise because we've seen uh, ones that we love um, in church that have died. Then we can see our grandparents die, our parents die, and all these things are both teaching us that that's coming for us, but then also preparing us for uh, giving us the opportunity to consider our own mortality and to prepare accordingly. Maybe that's the way to say it. Well, I went to a parochial school and... Uh Growing up, uh, it was not uncommon to have, uh, especially the older boys, be drug out of class and be the acolyte for a funeral service. Uh, church was just right across the street from the school. And uh, occasionally, the school kids would sing at a funeral. And uh, we, when we had a school here at Good Shepherd, we, we did the same thing. And, uh, you know, I think it's good. I think it's healthy. Um, one of the but, things that we've seen over the last few years, Pastor, is um, we, we have seen um, through the pandemic and all the things that have kind of followed since, we have seen an absolute fear, an absolute fear. Uh, we can see it on people's faces, uh, whether they're covered up or not. Uh, we can see it in people's actions. Uh, people who used to come to church all the time and now won't leave their house. Uh, we see it with young people and, uh, you know, some of the things they say and some of the choices they make. Um, Pastor, do you think the the issue or the bottom line here is that people don't want to talk about death, they don't want their kids to go to a funeral or things like that simply because they themselves are afraid to die? Well, I, I think that's there. I think there behind the fear uh, is a, an even bigger problem. It's, it's the idea that uh, we have a say in that, uh, in that time when it happens. Um, and so if that's the truth, then, then I should avoid these things where it might be uh, dangerous. I, you know, if I eat my broccoli and I uh, walk 10,000 steps a day, like our uh, health insurance plans always tell us, uh, then I will live for a lot longer, and that's in my control then. And so I should do what I can to maximize my life. And and uh, behind this idea of it being in our control is also this idea that um, this is the most important part here now uh, in our life, uh, which is, in a sense, a denial of God's promises of what is to come uh, also. And so from this does spring fear, right? If it's up to me and I have a say in it and I want to maximize the amount of time that I have, then I should be afraid of things that potentially could lessen that. Now, I'm not saying that, um, you know, you should go and jump out of airplanes or uh, learn how to uh, walk across a tightrope, uh, you know, on the Grand Canyon or anything like that. What I'm saying is there's a, a healthy uh, amount of living that you can do, but also know that the best is yet to come and to balance these things very carefully. Well, Jesus has, says, uh, Jesus has said in John chapter 10, I have come that uh, you may have life and have it to the full. 
And I guess it's how you define what that full life is. It's life in Christ, of course. So, <clears throat> Pastor, I guess as you as you were talking there, uh, maybe maybe there are two sides to the same coin, and one side of that coin is the fear of death, and the other side of the coin is the idolatry of life. What's the answer? What's the antidote to both of those? Well, the answer and the antidote to both of those is Christ, who um, is Lord of life and has defeated uh, death and the grave and lives and reigns to all eternity. And so um, if that's the antidote, then the answer in our own lives for all of this is to get more Jesus. I, maybe that's a simple way to say it, uh, or to be in church more, to be in God's house more, um, and to receive those gifts that he freely gives. It uh it is definitely to get more Jesus because that drives away our fears, all of our fears, including our fear of death, and uh, to get more Jesus, more of the Word of God, being in God's house, fed with his Word and sacraments. We have a proper understanding based on God's Word what that full life looks like. It doesn't mean winning the lottery. It doesn't mean uh, perpetual vacation or never working again. It doesn't mean so many of these things that we have dangled in front of us like uh, carrots in front of a rabbit. It means living in our vocation. It means hearing God's word and receiving God's gifts and knowing, absolutely knowing for sure and certain that we are in Christ's hands and that nothing or no one can snatch us out. That is uh, the confidence that we have, that is the assurance that we have, and that's literally what it means to die well. Pastor, we got about 20 seconds. Yeah, I think as we think about these things, uh, we'll find how we die well and what we plan for when we die uh, begins early in our life and affects our entire life, and that not that we're like ancient Egyptians and everything is about dying, but rather uh, for us as Christians, everything is about living and living forever in Jesus. Well said. Well said. We need to take a break. Equipping the saints. God's richest blessings. We'll be right back. You are listening to KNNALP 95.7 FM, Lincoln, Nebraska. Welcome back to Equipping the Saints, Pastor Poppy, Pastor Moline, Vicar Kirstein. We are serving the saints at Good Shepherd Lutheran Church in Lincoln, Nebraska. Thanks for tuning in. Starting with episode 30, we began a topic called Dying Well. We worked our way through several very, very key sections of Scripture, 2 Corinthians 5, John chapter 11, Genesis 3, Psalm 23, and uh, we, we talked about how these uh, sections of Scripture teach us what, uh, what it means to be a Christian, why death has come into the world, why death is nothing for us to fear, because Christ has conquered sin, death, and the grave for us. Um, this episode 40, we want to talk now about uh, final plans and final preparations. Uh, we want to talk about uh, funeral planning, of course, but um, unless someone dies suddenly, which certainly does happen, 
unless somebody dies suddenly, uh, oftentimes there is a period of time, sometimes a long period of time, where death seems to be imminent, um, where our focus is more and more on um, a particular sickness or ailment or being homebound or being in a nursing home, uh, some of these kind of things. And uh, I think we would be remiss if we skipped right to the funeral planning and didn't talk about uh, some of these other things. So let me just give you a scenario, Pastor. Oh, you want to make a comment first? Well, I'd just say even um, for us as Christians, really, uh, at the moment of our baptism, it already becomes something we begin to think about and plan for and uh, consider, and, and our entire life then um, is thinking about that fact uh, and preparing for it, and then what is to come afterwards. And so... Yeah, I agree with you completely, just maybe even a little bit broader than that. Okay. Well, you know, it's not <clears throat> uncommon for, you know, when a baby is born, for uh, mom and dad or grandma and grandpa to buy an insurance policy on the child. That's uh, We wouldn't think anything of that. Um, almost everybody that I know has a family doctor and a pediatrician for their kids in case their kids get sick and hopefully they can get care and treatment and medicines and those kind of things to uh, keep them going. Um, So we realize that sickness sometimes leads to death. And so all of these things are around us. And uh, yet sometimes when it comes to the spiritual aspect, we we maybe fall short. We maybe are remiss. Let me just throw out some uh, scenarios and uh, get your feedback on how a Christian with regard to final planning and final preparations with the whole understanding of dying well, dying in Christ Jesus, how some of these scenarios might play out and how the church and how the pastor would fit into this. So let's say, for example, uh, somebody is feeling sick and... um, This sickness has been lingering for a while. Uh, They've been hesitant to go to the doctor. Maybe they don't want bad news. Maybe they don't think it's uh, that serious. Maybe they don't have insurance. Yeah, whatever reason. Finally, they go to the doctor, and they get a diagnosis that is uh, not favorable. Uh, Maybe maybe it is something like cancer. Maybe it is uh, heart disease. Uh, Maybe it's uh, Parkinson's or diabetes or dementia, uh, something that would last even longer. Um, You've got this diagnosis. Now what? What role does the church play in this? What role does the pastor play in this? Um, What advice can you give us, pastor? How should the Christian who wants to be faithful to God's word and also faithful with regard to family responsibilities, how should this person proceed? Yeah, I think uh, they should tell their pastor about it, and they should tell their congregation about it. Ask their congregation uh, to pray uh, for their situation as they deal with it. And um, as a congregation, then, in that same sense, to talk about it broadly, 
the congregation should also help to care for the person, right? Um, this is the, where hospitals eventually come out of, historically speaking, as Christians caring for one another in times of need. Um, so Christians can help them, uh, take them to appointments, doctor's appointments, help care for them, help watch over them. If, if they're unable to care for themselves, bring food, clean their house, all sorts of things. Um, and communicating with the church allows this to happen. Now, that's in a perfect world, of course. I think in our modern day, we're we're kind of uh, we've kind of divided ourselves out. You know, we we think to ourselves, well, this is something family should take care of, and not the church. I don't shouldn't bother the pastor because he's busy. Uh, I shouldn't bother the church because it's kind of personal, or uh, you know, I'm afraid uh, uh, what so and so will think. And that's kind of backwards thinking. We're here. Uh, as the body of Christ, and when one part is injured, the rest of the body works to care for that part, and that's really the way that it ought to work. Let the pastor know. Let your family members know where you go to church and uh, what the pastor's number is, too, so that if if uh, something takes a turn and you're incapacitated, they know how to get a hold of your pastor and uh, uh, even have the conversation with your pastor and your, your congregation members about uh, if or when things finally do take that turn, this is what I'd like to have happen so that um, the church knows, uh, have that conversation with your family so that they know, and having the conversation with your family is especially important uh, today because we can't just assume that our, our offspring, our heirs, our next uh, of kin are going to be in the same church or the same faith or same religion, uh, they might be something different. And if you have deeply held religious concerns or beliefs, you ought to let them know this is how I'd like the the service to go so that they have an ability to follow through on that. Um, you, you've touched on, on many, many topics that I want to I unfold. Um, you know, it's been my experience that about, oh, maybe 10 or 15% of the people in the congregation are really pretty good at this and will let their pastor know and want prayers from the church and will accept and receive help. Um, many members of the church that, uh, again, about 15% or so, when they see someone's name in the prayers, they'll make a phone call, they'll send a card, they'll offer their help. We pray in the uh, post-communion colic that uh, this sacrament would strengthen our faith toward God and our love toward others. This is a great expression of that love toward others. Uh, it's also been my, my uh, experience, Pastor, that about half of the members of the congregation don't tell you anything. You don't know anything. Now, with the advent of Facebook, sometimes you hear second and third hand because they've posted something on Facebook. But we have way, 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 way too many people in our congregations that don't tell the pastor anything. And so we've got to hear it from some other source. And so I think this is something that we really need to stress and we really need to encourage our, uh, our congregation members that when there is a problem, for yourself, for your family members, for your aging parents, for your brother-in-law who lives in Timbuktu, um, share these burdens with your pastor and receive counsel from God's word. Thoughts? 
Yeah. Um, and when you share the, with the pastor, find a way to make sure he's able to keep track of it. And, and what I mean is this, schedule a time to come in and talk to him uh, outside the Sunday morning uh, service time, or uh, write down what's going on on a piece of paper uh, and, and give it to him. And uh, I'm going to talk about my own limitations here, and you can agree or disagree, Pastor Poppy. On uh, Sunday mornings, uh, you have... Um, 220 uh, five-second conversations with 220 different people as they go out of church. And after that, it's tough to go back through and catalog to make sure you remember every single thing that you needed to from all those conversations. And if you write it down and hand them a piece of paper, uh, either to get an appointment or that has kind of some of those details on there, that will help us as pastors uh, keep track of it and be able to minister to you more effectively. Yeah, I, that's I, just my. No, I would I would agree with you wholeheartedly. And uh, the older I get, you know, I I've always prided myself. I don't think sinful pride, but thanks be to God, I've always prided myself. I had a really good memory. I had a really good memory, and the older I get, the my my memory is not as sharp as it used to be, and. Uh, to, to write things down, to schedule a time, to come in, to sit down and talk, I think is very, very important. Now, uh, while we uh, still have time in this segment on this topic, does this mean that the pastor, uh, somebody comes in and shares some, some issue with them, uh, health-related or otherwise, does this mean that the pastor is going to run right home and tell his wife and... Uh, that uh, the pastor is going to spread it all over church, and that uh, you know my my um, hemorrhoid surgery is now going to be public information, and I want to keep that private. Um, what does it mean when the person contacts the pastor, and what is the pastor promising to do with regard to that visit? Yeah, as a pastor, I always have that conversation with the person, you know, can we add you to the prayers? Uh, and if they say yes, then the question is, you know, uh, what shall we say? Should we say medical issues? We just have your name. Uh, so talking to the pastor gives the opportunity to kind of lay these things out for yourself. Uh, the pastor should not just unilaterally go around telling everyone uh, about Pastor Poppy's hemorrhoid surgery or whatever, <laughs> since you brought it up. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was trying to use yeah, this no. <laughs> as an example of something that would be a little more embarrassing, a right. little more private. I have yeah. no problem sitting, folks. Uh, <laughs> it's it's other activity that I'm starting to lose interest in. Yeah. So. It's, uh, it, the pastor shouldn't just do that unilaterally, but we still request prayers, um, even sometimes on a very general or uh, nondescript purpose, um, and your comfort level can determine a lot of what the prayers are for. And so have that conversation with the pastor and make sure you're clear with the pastor on those things so that he can act accordingly. And uh, if you ask your pastor to keep something confidential, your pastor will keep it confidential. Um, you know, I, I learned very, very early on that sometimes people like to pump other people for information, whether that be the elders of the church or the pastor's wife or whatever. And uh, this is this is something that most pastors take very, very seriously. And uh, 
you know, uh, current vicar is single. He doesn't have to worry about this, but uh, not now. But uh, if the Lord blesses him with a wife, um, the Lord calls the pastor to be the pastor. Uh, he does not call the wife to be the co-pastor. And so these things stay with the pastor, not with anybody else, unless there is explicit in instruction and permission from the person with the issue or with the prayer request. Yeah, in fact, um, my wife learns more of these sorts of things from people trying to get additional information out of her than in any other way. I mean, because people will say, oh, I hear so-and-so had such-and-such. Uh, what do you know about it? And she'll be like, I don't know anything now that you told me is the first thing that I've heard. And so in that way, when you're asking the pastor's wife that way, you're really the one breaking the Eighth Commandment. Yes, <laughs> and uh, after three or four of those kind of comments from your wife, she'll get a lot less of those questions. This is... Equipping the Saints. We'll be right back. Don't change that dial. You are listening to KNNALP 95.7 FM, Lincoln, Nebraska. Welcome back to Equipping the Saints. Pastor Poppy, Pastor Moline, Vicar Kirstein. We serve the Saints at Good Shepherd Lutheran Church in Lincoln, Nebraska. Come join us for worship every Sunday morning at 8 and 1030 with Sunday School for All Ages in between. Wednesday evenings, year-round at 630. Um, the best way to plan and prepare to die well is to be in God's house and to hear God's word. We're uh, talking about final plans and final preparations. Uh, we're not going to get into any funeral planning in this episode. This is episode 40. We're uh, kind of working our way up to that. Pastor, I said the best way to prepare is to be in God's house. Um, I gave you a scenario before with regard to someone that gets some genu news, and I left this pretty generic, the importance of calling the pastor, the importance of corporate prayer, uh, all of these things. Um, we, you know, we are a congregation for a reason, and I think that's something that we have lost um, probably in the last 20, 30, 50 years, we don't see the congregation as an extended family. Uh, we are an individual that goes to church with a bunch of other random people. We don't know them, and most of the time we don't care to know them. Your thoughts on that? Yeah, that's something that um, <clears throat> Pastor Poppy and I uh, and some of the different committees at church, we're actively trying to change that uh, and to bring back the sense of congregation it's um to, to quote again i know i quoted this earlier paul's words right we're not the bodies of christ we are the body singular of christ and um, that means that we all care for each other and love each other and uh, want to know what's going on in each other's life we've become so individualistic uh, in our modern society that we're uncomfortable with that and uh, i think it needs to change and we need to uh, be actively finding ways to both care about the people around us, but also then be cared for about them. That's that's another part of it, right? You talk to people who are fine 
going out and taking care of the people around them who are in need. But when it turns around and they're the ones that are in need, they, they suddenly are uncomfortable with, well, somebody's going to bring me food. Um, uh, it, it needs to be the whole way around. It makes me think back to when, I think it's because we're in a big city, right? And I, we're in a big city. We aren't uh, unified by anything except for our confession of faith. We have so many different things and so many different hats and so many different rings. Um, but if we could be a community again and uh, to have, when I was in a small town, somebody died um, at 8 o'clock in the morning and I got over there at 9 o'clock in the morning and already there was so much food that people had brought that there was no place to sit. Um, and if we could be a community like that again, and we, we're trying to do this by bringing food to families when they have a baby or when they have a time of need, uh, and we just are not having the response that we'd like to have. Yeah, not not only do we not have people send a card or bring food, we don't ha- we have uh, lots of people who won't even show up for a funeral, and uh, that is, um, uh, I think that's part of the size of the community that we live in, and I think part of it is this growing uh, individual um, understanding or thinking of our faith, and uh, this is contrary to God's word. You know, uh, the church, local congregations, these are created by God. God knows that we need this extended family and to reject this extended family or to despise this extended family is to reject and despise God's word. Even, am, I, am I saying that too strongly? No, and I I don't know how it's crept in. I mean, I have my guesses, but they are at this point guesses. Even things as silly as um, in the the history of the church many, many years ago, uh, the words of the creed were not, I believe in God the Father Almighty, but we believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. And... Um, even that that change reflects a certain individualism that uh, the early church didn't necessarily know. Okay, so um, knowing that you are a part of the body of Christ, uh, whether you whether whether you like it or not, um, these are your brothers and sisters in Christ, and uh, there are, there are lots of ways to um, expand upon that and to get to know your family members. Um, Pastor, I want to I want to take that. That scenario that I gave you, I, I started this segment by saying the best way to prepare to die well is to be in God's house and to receive God's gifts. What about the person who can't come? What about the person who is uh, sick to the point where they can't come to God's house? What about the person who is a shut-in member of God's house? What about the person who's in a nursing home? What if that nursing home's far away? Uh, again, I want to talk about the role of the pastor. What what can people expect of their pastor in these kind of situations? Well, again, uh, in all these situations, they should contact their pastor, and the pastor um, should bring Christ to them where they are. Now, it's... Um, Again, people are uncomfortable with this, and it uh, is a, an ongoing challenge for the pastor to keep track of all these things, which is why you need to be in contact with your pastor uh, about this so that he knows uh, to to watch out for you and to, uh, um, to come and to visit you. But the pastor should be bringing God's word and the sacraments to these people. 
And uh, you said something I want to point out too, right? Um, I know you, you're. I know exactly where you're going. You you said uh, the person who can't be there, and uh, there is a distinction between the person who can't be there and the person who won't be there, and that distinction uh-huh. needs uh-huh. to be respected. Um, there are many people in every congregation that cannot be there because of the mobility issues or health issues or or bathroom issues bathroom you know, issues real simple stuff it's, yeah there are those people who cannot be there there are also many who won't be there and if you're a won't person um, you should repent and think about that uh, and that allows the pastor to be able to take care of the can't people and uh, maybe that's a really hard word to say but I think it needs to be said. And, uh, you know, everybody's situation is a little bit different. And, uh, you know, we're not, we're not trying to produce guilt in people here, but uh, just to seriously examine their own situation and uh, know that if you can't, truly can't come to God's house, your pastor will bring God's house to you. Your pastor will bring you the word. The pastor, where appropriate, will bring you the Lord's Supper. The uh, pastors will come on a regular basis. We're blessed here at Good Shepherd to have two pastors and a vicar. And uh, our goal doesn't always work out this way, but our goal is for one pastor visit and one vicar visit every month. And if somebody's health situation gets to the point where um, the lights of heaven appear to be shining brighter, then uh, that once a month might change to twice a month or once a week. and uh, when every the, day. I mean, or when, when the, the end, end is comes, very near. When the end comes every day. And we've had some situations where we go multiple times in the same day uh, just because we, we don't know what's going on and we want to comfort that individual. We want God's word ringing in their ears. That's what we want. And uh, we're not going to tell them anything new. We're going to remind them of the promises that they have heard again and again and again. We want to remind them of uh, God's love for them, even if they can't remember their own name. God will not forget them. And uh, just because sometimes these visits might seem a little bit uncomfortable or you're worried about the house being cluttered or the smell from the bathroom stuff or whatever, uh, folks, we've seen it all. We've seen it all. And uh, we're, uh, we're, it's not only our job. Um, quite frankly, as a pastor, it is perhaps the most fulfilling thing that I do uh, to be able to bring God's word. And yeah, sure, sometimes, uh, you know, I've heard the story 25 times already, but uh, I'm happy to hear it the 26th time. And uh, I guarantee you, I will uh, respond as if it's the first time that I heard the story. And uh, th- this, is, this is what a faithful shepherd does. And uh, it, brings, it brings great joy. And uh, to see the joy in people's faces, because so many times people are just lonely. And we're not glorified visitors. We're, we're visitors bringing the very, very word of life. Vicar, uh, I know you didn't get a chance to do much visiting, uh, seminary time, COVID, all that kind of stuff. You're getting your feet wet with visiting now. 
as a representative of Christ, as a representative of Good Shepherd Lutheran Church, what are some of your impressions with regard to some of the visits you have made? I would say that oftentimes when you're shut in like that, whether it's in your home or in a facility, you do get lonely. And it's such a great joy to be there with a shut-in, surround around God's Word, giving them not only a word from God, but then also just sitting with them, being the body of Christ together. Uh, I, have, uh, I have gotten feedback from several of the folks that you have visited, and uh, the feedback has been universally positive, how much they enjoy your visits, finding out about you and your family, finding out about uh, Florida Boy in uh, the colds of Nebraska, uh, and then uh, allowing you to grow in your formation to become a pastor right there on the job training. And uh, it, it is such a great blessing. It is such a great blessing. And uh it is something that we have that's kind of unique at Good Shepherd because high pastoral care, and this has nothing to do with uh, laws that are passed in Colorado with regard to wacky tobacco, but um, high pastoral care, meaning the utmost pastoral care regarding visitation. Pastor, visitation overall and the importance of it in you as a pastor? Well, I think it's really important for the pastor to do for the sake of the individual being visited. But then, since we're on the topic of dying well, right, um, these are the conversations uh, about faith, about Christ, about your life, that also then shape your last confession Uh, as it will be presented in both the funeral and then also the sermon that the pastor writes. And it's not that the funeral sermon will be about you, per se. It will be about how Christ has saved you. And the conversations about the different things, the way you met your spouse, the the way you lived your life, the committees and boards and uh, volunteer things that you did, uh, the things that are important to you that will be helpful in, to the pastor in writing and crafting a sermon that is able to show how Christ has saved you from sin, death, and the power of the devil uh, when that funeral does come. And so think about it that way, too. Even if the pastor is awkward and uncomfortable or, uh, you know, uh, whatever it is, that's something that you get to do to help craft that uh, for that last day. Well said, Pastor. And uh, sometimes we are uncomfortable. Uh, <laughs> but we'll, no but comment. We'll, but we'll be there nonetheless. We'll be right back equipping the saints. You are listening to KNNALP 95.7 FM, Lincoln, Nebraska.
Welcome back to Equipping the Saints. Pastor Poppy, Pastor Moline, Vicar Kirstein. We serve the Saints at Good Shepherd Lutheran Church in Lincoln, Nebraska. Thanks for tuning in. We've been uh, talking in this episode 40 about uh, final plans and final preparations. Um, Pastor, uh, early on you made the comment that... um, you can't take for granted that everybody's family members are members of the same church, that everybody's family members are members of the same confession, um, that everybody's family members are even Christian. Um, When someone is sick or shut in, Uh, confined to a nursing home or other type of care facility and uh, the the pastor is making uh, regular visits Um, what is what is the role of the extended family with regard to whether whether they are um, members of the same congregation as their parent or child who's ever in the facility Um, what are, what are some of the issues that can come up with regard to family members and what would be a good goal with regard to the relationship between pastor, member of the congregation, and extended family? Yeah, well, I think um, there's many things we should talk about. First off, uh, if you're the individual who's going to be needing the care and the visits, you should visit both with the pastor and then with your heir or medical power of attorney or whoever and say, here's my pastor, here's what I would like to have both for visitation and then also for um, when I pass away in a funeral. And if you have a written out plan, that's very helpful. And talk through it with that next of kin so that they're aware of it as well. Um, 98% of the time, they'll want to respect your wishes in that regard. And I'd say 93% of the time, the conversation has never happened and they're just kind of shooting from the hip and don't know. So it's important for you to have that conversation and to say, here's what I'm expecting and here's what I'd like to have done. Uh, The next thing I'd say is from the perspective of your pastors, we're going to be respectful of these people, and we're not going to just go in there and try and start a fight with them if they're a Presbyterian instead of a a Lutheran or uh, anything like that. We're going to, when we come in, we're going to be there to bring you uh, God's Word and the sacraments. Now, um, we're going to do so according to Christ's institution, which means we're not going to be communing everyone and their dog in the uh, the hospital or anything like that. We're going to be taking care of you as our member in church, but we're going to be kind and respectful and uh, 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 careful with that person that is your next of kin. It's also not, I mean, don't have in your mind that, uh, you know, Pastor Poppy and Pastor Moline are going to convert them uh, on your deathbed. That's not why we're there either. We're there to bring the word, and we will do so faithfully. And if it converts them, praise be to God, uh, but that's not our our purpose, I think. Is that a fine way to say that, not our purpose? Yeah, and that's not not even our goal um, with regard to that. Our, Our goal is to provide the best pastoral care for our member. And uh, we want to be faithful in doing that in every way, shape, and form. Not only faithful with our visitation, but faithful with the content 
of that visitation. Um, I'm, I'm sure you've been put in awkward situations, as have I, with regard to, you know, the, the sentimentality. Oh, it would sure be nice if the whole family could have the Lord's Supper together, that kind of a thing. And it's not only uncomfortable for the pastor, but it's usually uncomfortable for the family members, too. And so uh, the, the practice that we have in the Lutheran Church is going to remain the practice that we have as we bring church to you. That's not going to change. And uh, we'll have more to talk about when we get to the actual funeral service itself. Um, folks, you know your family. You know if there is the potential for this becoming an issue. If you have a family member or an in-law that is uh, very excitable with regard to certain aspects of pastoral care, um, you know that if, uh, if there's going to be an issue, uh, please let your pastor know. Let your pastor know. If you think that there's a chance that your family members will not abide by your final wishes, whether that's in visitation, we've had this happen, yep. where uh, when it gets close to death, all of a sudden the family members uh, don't let the pastors in. Um, if, you, if you think this is, there's a possibility of this, write down your wishes. If you're not able to write, get somebody that you trust to write down your wishes. Make sure that your pastor and your family get copies of these wishes. Now, uh, once someone passes away, we can't guarantee that your family will follow your wishes. You said 98%, and uh, I, th I think that's, that's fair. That's accurate. Uh, sometimes uh, people in their grief or in their sin uh, just uh, are going to dig their feet in, and they're going to do what they want to do no matter what. And I think it's going to get worse. 98% what's behind us. I think it's going to get worse going forward. Um, because the younger generation, my generation um, specifically, the millennial age group, um, they are they are not being Christian. They are not Christians. Um, less than half of them are, and uh, so just know that. And and not even are they not Christian. Sometimes we're kind of antagonistic. And I'm speaking generally. So if you're a millennial, don't hear me saying you're not Christian talking about us as a group uh, and the statistics that are out there. We saw some things during the uh, pandemic um, that I think, you know, maybe people had some genuine concerns. Maybe people were just using this as an excuse. Um, but we saw some things during the pandemic that I didn't think I'd ever see. Uh, people who had been members of the Christian church for 50, 60, 70, 80, 90 years and their family said, no, we don't need a funeral. Um, and here we sit as pastors, full well knowing how important being in God's house was to them for their whole life. How they certainly would want to have had that confession of faith by having a church funeral. And uh, for some of the family members, it, it was a nothing was an absolute nothing and uh, it was it was heartbreaking heartbreaking then and it's heartbreaking now as we recount some of these days and that's where too going back to what we've talked about already um, 
being the body of Christ with one another, having that relationship and the interaction with uh, your fellow Christians is so important uh, during your life so that um, your next of kin see that and know about that and then operate accordingly when you do pass away and write it down, talk with them, be direct, even have uh, that uncomfortable conversation with them about your wishes so that they know and uh, that they hopefully will follow through. Pastor Poppy, the pastors, uh, we have no authority in these things unless you name us as something in a, uh, a document and I'm not saying that's what no, you we need don't want to, to do. We, we don't, don't want, want that. To, we don't want to be in your will. We don't want no, to be your no. power of attorney or any of that. But, but that just to show you, we don't have that authority because we're not in those things. But we certainly would like to be in charge of the content of the funeral. Yes. Because as a pastor, this is what we do, the worship services of God's house. Um, we, you know, I, I could tell stories all day long about some of the situations that we've been in. Uh, suffice it to say that um, there are some family members that um, resent the church. Uh, they think maybe the pastor or the church is after mom or grandma's money. Uh, we couldn't care less. We want to bring them God's word. We want to transfer them from our congregation here at 3825 Wildbriar Lane in Lincoln, Nebraska, to heaven. That's all we care about. That's all we care about. And uh, there is no need for panic or worry. Uh, we, we have no um, hidden agenda with regard to any of this. We want to provide care. And for the vast majority of our members, they want to receive this care. They need to receive this care. Communication is, is vital with regard to that. Uh, we had a member here at Good Shepherd many years ago. Uh, I'll just give her first name, Imogene. Imogene was uh, a lonely person at one of our local nursing homes. And uh, our vicar at that time um, bumbled into Imogene in the hallway one day, struck up a conversation, and eight months later, after uh, the vicar and I took her through adult confirmation, we confirmed her at the nursing home. Amazing, amazing story. And so uh, when it came time for <clears throat> Imogene's funeral, um, I'm not exactly sure what the family members were thinking. She was so proud. She had her confirmation certificate hanging on the wall. We visited her regular. We brought her bulletins and newsletters and portals of prayer. Everybody knew that she was a member of Good Shepherd Lutheran Church in Lincoln, Nebraska. Imogene died. Family didn't call us. I saw the obituary in the Lincoln Journal Star. No church funeral, graveside services. I attended the graveside service. They got a rent-a-pastor who did not know Imogene, did not know the family, that for 100 bucks just showed up. He uh, quoted no scripture. He recited poetry, said a few pious platitudes, and I was just, I was sick, heartbroken as I sat in the chair and watched this debacle. After the service, one of the family members saw me sitting there, came over, and apologized profusely. Pastor, 
we were in a hurry. We wanted to do the expedient thing. We know we should have called you. We know that you knew mom and would have shared that in this service. And we're really, really sorry. And I said, I forgive you. Uh, friends, um, dying well, including the last service, is a tremendous opportunity for a confession of faith. Some people don't want to hear that confession. It's a tremendous opportunity, and we will do everything we can to help you in that final planning and final preparation, whether it be visitation uh, or anything else, um, because that's what we're called to do. And we are happy and thrilled to do it. Next episode, we're going to start bridging our way into how do I plan a funeral? What things should I be thinking about? And there's a lot to be thinking about way before you pick the hymns and the Bible readings. We've got so much to talk about. Thank you for listening to episode 40 of Equipping the Saints, God's richest blessings in Christ. You are listening to KNNALP 95.7 FM, Lincoln, Nebraska.